The guests on my show never fail to amaze and inspire me, and Heidi Herkers is no exception. She is right up there with the very best of them. As a young woman, she travelled extensively around the world, running her own high-end bridal and makeup company, from Sydney to Dubai, Berlin and the US. She worked at incredible venues, making her clients look and feel amazing, until one day she suffered an unimaginable life-changing event that meant Heidi was forced to rethink everything she ever knew. After falling down a flight of stairs, Heidi broke her neck and became paralyzed from the chest down. From what Heidi calls her ground zero, she has rebuilt her life and career and launched her own unique consultancy, helping women from all different backgrounds, shapes and sizes to discover who they really are through embracing their individuality and diversity. I met Heidi in her beautiful home in Finchley, North London, where her ever-present smile just filled the room. I'm thrilled to welcome on board IQ Boxing as the very first sponsor of Your London Legacy podcast. Run by the inspirational head coach, Xavier Miller, IQ Boxing Club in Neasden, Northwest London, is one big close-knit family where the boxers and coaches have excellent working relationships and every boxer supports each other on their individual journey. Every young boxer is given individual time so that they can flourish as a boxer, but more importantly, as a person of character. Regular classes are held for juniors and amateurs, and there are also keep fit boxer size classes. IQ Boxing is built on the pillars of respect, hard work and dedication, and with its supportive trustees, grows from strength to strength. You can find out more about the London legacy IQ Boxing are creating by following them on Instagram at IQXavierMiller or www.iqboxing.co.uk. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is Your London Legacy. So we're going to start this again. Yeah. <laughs> because silly me didn't press the record button fully. So we, we were a few minutes into that conversation. It was going quite well. We're, start, we're starting again, people. Yeah. So I'm delighted to say <laughs> I'm here with Heidi Herkers. Herkers, I'll get yeah. it right in a minute. It's fine. Heidi Herkers. Heidi Herkers, yeah. who hails from... North London. North London. Yes. Yes, North in London, Finchley. London N3, a N3. few miles away from where I'm based in Mill Hill. Yeah. Oh, I'm all embarrassed now because yeah. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> press the record silly. button properly. Herkers is from where? It's uh, Norwegian extraction, Norwe- Norwegian we think. Extraction. Yeah, but we're a bit of a mixed bunch, so could be anywhere, but we think so. Well, thank you very much for inviting me into your beautiful home. That's a pleasure. We're sitting here. I should have said, actually, we're sitting here. The doors are sort of open. Um, if you hear birds tweeting outside, that's because Heidi's got a birdcage sitting yeah. just a couple of feet behind me with... That'll be the budgies. budgies and, is it, are they budgies or budgies? Yes. Yeah. So we shut the door a little bit just to keep the sound down. Yeah. But it is a beautiful, beautiful May sort of spring afternoon out. Blue mm. sky. It's looking gorgeous. So thank you very much for inviting me into your lovely home. Pleasure, pleasure. And the dog is safely in the other room, I think, at yeah, the moment. Yeah, he's gone. Heidi has a wonderful story and an inspirational story to tell. So we will go through this in a bit bit more detail in a minute. But just briefly, for the, for the sake of the, the listeners, just explain what happened to you four or five years ago um, that changed your life and turned it upside down. Okay, so four five, well, five years ago, on the 2nd of March 2014, I was running a very successful hair and makeup company specializing in weddings um, in and around the UK and abroad. But on this particular day, I was doing a wedding trial. So um, I was preparing the hair and makeup for a lady that was getting married, and we had a really great day. And no sooner had I just put my brush down, I ran up the stairs to go to the loo. And when I ran, 
I tripped and I fell backwards and I fell down what was only about five stairs and I broke my neck, which left me paralyzed from the chest down. So yes, my life was uh, hanging upside down on the string at the time and I uh, didn't quite know where, where it was going to take me from there on. How old were you at the time? I was 34. 34. Mm -hmm. And where was this? Where did this actually happen? This was down in Richmond, actually. Yeah, I was uh, house sharing in, in Richmond in a little kind of cottage. It was a lovely little house, but the stairs themselves were a little bit, you know, hickledy-pickledy. Mm. And it's just one of those things, you know, the amount of times I've sort of, well, not that I made a habit of falling down the stairs, no. but if, you know, slip with your slippers on or whatever it might be, I never thought that that would be my fate, so to speak. Sure. So, yeah. It's just out of interest. Was, was that... How long have you been living in this property? Just over a year and a half. Right. So you were familiar with the layout of the property yeah, and the yeah, stairs. Yeah. And the, yes. So nothing was a great shock to you. No. Apart from the fall, of course. So how, how, yeah. did, how did it happen? Were you wearing slippers? Or I was wearing on? quite, yeah, slidey boots. Right. Um, and I think it was because of that that I just misjudged and it fell backwards. So wow. it was traumatic. And a lot of it, I was in induced coma for about three months after that, mm -hmm. mainly because I think I had the operation um, and I just wanted to get out of bed. And, and I couldn't, obviously. I didn't realize that I couldn't walk. And when everything came to, that's when it sort of started to dawn on me that not only did I lose the power of my my legs, but also of my hands. So as a spinal, you know, with a spinal cord injury, um, depending on where you break your, your, your spinal cord, mine was quite high up in my neck. So two more vertebrae up and I probably would have been dead. So, you know, I was quite quite lucky in that way but yes it, it was it was very difficult very difficult at the time did, did you know immediately that in your mind's eye as it were that you'd cause yourself serious injury or were you unaware it didn't it didn't register no as as such that it was just full impact but I think I passed out to be honest a lot of people keep asking me the question how did I feel at the time I mm. just I, I don't remember it was I blacked out but then you realize when you're waking up in a in a hospital bed and you're having to be turned and everything's to everyone's doing everything for you because you you physically can't lift your your arms or your hands to your mouth that's when the sort of horror all starts to unravel yeah so that's i suppose is uh, the defining moment in your life <laughs> and do you think of that like as a before and after situation yeah i i, I, I like that question actually yes I do I really do because I I look back on my life and I really appreciate what I had and where I got to but now I feel that this is a milestone now that I've turned 40 as well you know I'm gone in the years where I used to be able to walk this planet and now I look I look onwards I think so a certain amount of resilience I think was 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 necessary to kind of to, to, to fight to fight this you know and just a positive mindset that I somehow drummed up I, I just hated the fact of not being able to do anything and so I've sort of rather than gone on to kind of doing anything like the Olympics or things like that I feel for me I had to channel it through other kind of creative ways mm. um, and that's the what the therapeutic side of things that helped me forward. Mm. One of the things I found astonishing in doing the research on you before, before I came here, and, and which was obvious as soon as I came in and saw you for the very first time personally, is the smile on your face. Aww. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just such a beaming smile. You, you always appear, appear outwardly to mm. be extremely happy and 
satisfied somehow with your lot. Yes. And I'm not saying there's any reason why you shouldn't be. But, yeah. But given that there is this before and after, I suppose, what is it? I mean, first of all, are, are you are you as happy inwardly as you appear on the outside? I'm pretty happy, I yeah. have to say. Well, that's, I, that's I, I am. Yeah. You know, well, that's wonderful. I get my moments, but yeah. generally speaking, quite yeah. quite satisfied. So, what is it that makes you so resilient? My my wife just my wife has this concept she calls resilient knickers. Oh. <laughs> my 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 wife um, helps parents of kids with special she's worked in the special needs been a special needs teacher right. for 30 years and she helps parents of kids who have adhd and autism and so on and so forth and it can try parents patients and you know mm. and she says you've got to put your resilient knickers on and she actually went out and bought knickers and had them all printed with resilient oh, and really? sent them to oh, the parents and they absolutely loved it so How brilliant so, so what if what are your resilient knickers <laughs> what, what makes you so resilient because i you know, think you know I, I don't know i just I've never really taken life so seriously. Mm. And I just think that, you know, I had a near-death experience, let's put it that way. Sure. And the fact that I'm still alive, I guess I'm just really happy about that. And I realize that I've still got so much potential and I have wonderful, loving people in my life. And there is so much opportunity out there still. I just think that there's no time to to wallow. You know, you just, you've just got to get out there and, and, and enjoy life in the best way that you can possibly enjoy yeah. it. I suppose that's, it's always like a little flame of hope inside me. There's a lovely poem actually that this Indian doctor read out to me in hospital and it goes something like, hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And that for me just stayed with me. You've actually printed it out, isn't it beautiful? It's lovely. That yeah. kept me going and I heard Ever you say that, then. so I, I had yeah. to look it up. It's by Emily Dickinson. Emily Dickinson, yeah. indeed. And it, it is wonderful. So what is it about the poem that inspires you? Is it, is it just the idea of I hope? There's always a yeah. always light at the end of the tunnel, it, in other exactly. words. There's always that flicker of glimmer of hope. That's touching. right. Yeah. I found it very comforting and soothing because, you know, when literally all the chips are down, you have to surrender to it all. And the only thing that's going to keep you going is hope mm. and Do you faith. think you've got more hope now? than you did before do you, do you see life in a different way now than you did before I mean because before everyone thinks they're invincible when they're younger you know and it's a bit of a yeah easy come easy go attitude to life I think I mean to a certain degree you know because of my limitations I have to be reasonable within myself but I guess it's like you know I do I do believe yeah that there is still so much hope out there for anyone with any you know sort of disability in that way mm. I think I really do think there is especially with technology and how fast it's coming along you know and seeing all these inventive things of exoskeletons and you know whizzing standing wheelchairs and things like that it's it's really great but it's it's something I'm excited about for the future yeah, you know. it's interesting these developments. In fact, I was listening on the radio this morning. One of the presenters was in a rehabilitation unit for um, veterans from, from the army who've suffered mm -hmm. severe traumatic injury post yeah. um, Afghanistan and Iraq. And the, the equipment they've got nowadays to measure every sort of muscle fiber oh, and bone movement yeah. and musculoskeletal, this and that and the other, is just yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, have there it's been hopeful. improvements since you had your injury that have helped you? I think the operations, I've had various operations on yeah. my hands mm -hmm. because due to the, um, the break, it's and where the spinal um, cord uh, is damaged, it makes 
well, it made my hand sort of curl up. And so because of that, I couldn't open them. Um, and it's very, very difficult to try and do anything with a, you know, a, a fist-like hand. Um, and so after a couple of operations, they've really opened up my hands, which allows me now to pick up things more freely. I mean, my dexterity will never be the same, obviously, mm. but I've had various splints made that help me, you know, do my makeup or, or, or eat or things like that, you know. So in that way, it's... Uh, it's quite great. Mm. I mean, I'm really, really happy. And I have a lot more movement, actually, that's come back in my upper body. That's wonderful. In so fact, over time. Being an audio podcast, obviously, listeners can't see. But what I can see, that you're yeah. actually gripping very nicely. This, yeah. It's not a light microphone, but with both hands, you're holding yeah. it very steadily, which is good. Because if you didn't have any well, exactly. grip previously, yeah. you're, now, you're now doing well. And obvi yeah. obviously, you need your hands because in, in the makeup industry. Of course, you, exactly. You, you've got to have that. Yeah. So let's just take a step back a minute, mm -hmm. um, pre, pre that date. So what was your childhood like? My childhood? Where, where did you grow up? Well, originally born in North London, mm -hmm. so Woodside Park. Oh, know it well, yes. Yeah, Woodside also Park. Also around the corner from here. Yeah, uh -huh. and I went to school in Hadley Wood. But I was very um, close to my godmother, who's German. Mm -hmm. And so she took me under her wing um, as a little girl, and she used to take me out for nice road trips uh, around the uh, Italy and France and places like that and Lovely. Germany obviously and so learnt the language um, and at I must have been about five or six where she was a nurse at the time and she uh, had a wonderful job working for a baroness in a German castle in German Schloss oh, wow. and one thing led to another and she ended up basically marrying the baron so as an early you know stage in my life I used to uh going holiday in the German Schloss. Good and I God, it my... sounds like something out of Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> it was just amazing. So I'm really lucky for that kind of upbringing. She's always been quite arty and this kind of thing. And so, yeah, well-traveled as, as, a, as a kid. And, and uh, yeah, I love her to bits. She's still going. So I go and see her as much as possible. Cool. And um, from there, as a child, I have, I suppose, yeah, just continued and done all the education you know through um to university at king's college on the strand studied german and french and lived out in berlin for a year where i studied architecture none of which i use now you know but um it's just part of life i suppose yeah, which architecture is tapestry. And design is all part of yeah. sort of your interest in yes and then once graduated i actually moved down to the isle of wight with an old boyfriend of mine whose family are, are, are rooted down there mm -hmm. and i worked for a sailing company and then i realized that i just wanted to travel so i decided to pack up my bags and travel the world for about three years so i did um all of the states which is actually amazing i don't know if you've been there before America. I've been to the States a few times, yeah. but not done, not traveled road widely. Trip. Yeah, not done a road Incredible, trip. I highly recommend it. Yeah. I'd love to do that still now again. Yeah. And then all through New Zealand and Australia, lived and worked out there, and then back through Southeast Asia, back home. And that's where I landed on my feet and realized that's where I wanted to do the, the hair and makeup. Because I've always been quite creative in that way, and I wasn't really tapping in to all of that, thinking, well, if I want to be creative, but how can I earn money at the same time? Because mm. a lot of these creative things are not necessarily always 100% well paid. So, yeah, and that's that's what I did. So I worked for MAC for many years, MAC Cosmetics, and then um, built up my my kit, and then I set up HRH. So what, what were you doing for MAC? Makeup, yeah. You were a makeup artist? Makeup artist, okay. exactly. So yeah. you were going out 
Or were you one of these people who stood around in sort of Phoenix way? I started off that way to <laughs> right. build up my, my kit, yeah. actually in Brent Cross to begin with. <laughs> okay, know it well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was great because you used to get um, quite a hefty discount. So you'd build up your makeup kit. And once that was all sorted, I sort of waved goodbye and then started to do weddings on a weekend because, uh-huh. uh, you know, it was very well paid and I really enjoyed it. And it gives you the freedom to kind of drive around in lovely countryside and be part of someone's day. So that's what I was doing up until the day of my accident. Right. Yeah. So you were also doing some bridal work as well? Bridal you, work, yes, bridal doing work. the weddings. Right. So I set up the wedding hair and makeup company. And that's what I've been doing for many years until, yeah, until... That was called uh, HRH? I HRH, think. bridal. HRH. Yes. Let, let you get away with that. Yeah, well, it's actually my... <laughs> Heidi, I won't... Shall I divulge my middle name? Uh, it's not Regina, Regina <laughs> is it? You're not that royal. <laughs> Rita. Rita. Heidi Rita Herkes. Rita. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Mm. So you'd always had this passion for style, yes. being stylish and making people look good and feel good. And, yeah. And you'd, you'd actually travel the world doing that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just a real passion of mine, you know, and I think when you enjoy something so much and, you know, and then people are always say, oh, I, you know, I'm really, really happy. It's, mm. it's, it's just works both ways, mm. you know. Clearly an independent person as yes. well, independently minded, you know, yes. going off and traveling for three years. Yes. Was that on your own or was that with a, with a oh, group no, no, of friends? Oh, no, no, at that time, no, that was an old partner of mine, right. Welsh okay. from Wales. Because right. my family moved up to Wales about 20 years ago to run a bed and breakfast. Uh-huh. So, um, hence the Welsh connection. But, right. um, yeah, so... So then you had this life-changing injury, an yes. accident, and you were sidelined for, what, about a year, I think it was, was yeah. it? Yeah. You were in a, an induced coma, first of all. In induced coma for about three months, wow. and then... Was that straight away after the incident? Yeah, after the operation. What's the idea of that? Was that to sort of reduce any potential swelling? No, and... it was mainly because I kind of woken up after the operation but because I wanted to get out of bed I was very mixed up I think with all the uh, medication they were giving I didn't quite understand what was the, the, the severity of the situation I felt that I could still walk so apparently I was saying to my mother that I just wanted to go home mm. um, but because I was constantly trying to lift my neck and it had been operated on they had to put me in, in coma wow no, and probably other reasons yeah, for it. I mean, but. it seems brutal looking back at it, you know, yeah. sitting here now looking, thinking about it. Mm. I'm sure they had perfectly valid medical reasons for doing yeah. it. But um, so when you, what is it like when you come out of a coma for three months and are you yes. aware of the passage of time? Not really. No. You're just so drugged up a lot of the time. And the, well, mainly because of, of the pain, I think, as well. And also just letting the, the swelling down. That was probably another reason for it. And then, yeah, when you're coming to, just slowly, slowly, you start kind of putting one and one together. But it didn't... It's very difficult to describe. It's it's You don't really... I mean, you know what's going on, but you, it's almost like you don't believe what's going on. Mm. And, but the people around you, especially the NHS, my goodness me. Which hospital were you in? To Queen Mary's right. in Paddington. Uh-huh. I mean, they were literally my, my lifeline. And so kind and so gentle, you know, and they just really soothe you into it. Mm. And, I, I've always, and I always felt safe. I felt safe, surrounded by my family. I knew that I, knew that I would be okay mentally in that way and just over time I think I just grew to accept it 
it was a big loss, as you can imagine, oh, big loss. Yeah. But I, I just didn't let that pain eat me alive, eat me away. I just kind of felt, well, look, I'm in this situation now. I, I need to think practically and I need to think positively and I need to make sure that I get out of this all right. Mm. So... It's interesting. I need actually. my hair and makeup done. Probably one of the first things I said. <laughs> <laughs> so you came out of your, your induced coma for after three months. That was, yeah. Presumably that was fairly soon after the operation that you were in that yeah. situation. And then how much longer were you in before you came out or you had rehabilitation yes. when you came out? So from there I was um, transferred to a place called Stoke Mandeville, mm-hmm. which is um, a rehabilitation center yeah. for spinal cord injured people. And it was like wheelchair city. That really, yeah, opened my eyes up to see all of that. You see all sorts of recovering people there from mainly motor, motorcycles, a lot of men. Yeah. I felt like a bit of the odd one out being a woman there. There weren't that many or older women anyway. And But there, that's where I did all my physio to kind of gain as much strength that I had left. And then, yeah, I spent quite a lot of time just doing that, just trying to strengthen my body. But I could see it in the physio's eyes that, I wasn't going to be able to make it as far as everyone else in the gym. Certain people had more strength and less damage, you see. So that sometimes brought a tear to my Mm. eye. Mm. No matter how hard I tried, it's just like I can't fight through the paralysis. There's nothing I can do. So, Is there any prospect of recovery of um, mobility? No, I wouldn't. I would say, as my doctor says, quite limited. Yes. We'll just have to see in time. Yeah. 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 But you just crack on irrespective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is this remarkable resilience. So let's talk about your your business now that you have um, developed. And, you know, in the reading I've done, what you do is pretty unique. I don't think there's anyone else who does quite what you do in London, maybe the UK, maybe even beyond the UK. Yeah. In terms of, well, you you explain a little bit about what what you do now. In terms of, um, well... After the accident, I realized that, you know, I'm in hospital and I still need to look and feel good. And what's the best measurement for that? It's hair and makeup for most women if they're into that sort of thing. And um, obviously it was quite close to my heart. Um, but I always remember there was a lovely lady there and she'd always hand me or dish me out some of her old um, Vogue magazines. So I'd have one of my PAs help me flick through the mag because obviously I couldn't do it because of my hands at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just... It just inspired me and I just thought, well, hold on a second, rattling around this hospital here, there doesn't seem to be much on tap for anybody, you know, there might be lots to do with physio, but in terms of kind of getting out of this place into reality again, how are we all going to cope? We're not used to being in wheelchairs. This is a completely new identity to all of us. And so that's when I realized maybe I could use the hair and makeup skills that I've worked hard for and coincide them with restyling as a personal stylist and that's what I decided to do so I set up a styling company and since then I have been helping people from all walks of life actually with their style and it starts you know from what colors look good on you which is really interesting actually a lot of people tend to wear the wrong colors (laughs) (laughs) now now, now I'm feeling (laughs) self-conscious no you're looking great Um, and the body shape you know and what clothes to wear for your for your body shape Uh um and also the style type that you might be and you sort of roll that into one big package and you can yeah really make someone look and feel a lot better Mm -hmm. so and are your clients both able-bodied and disabled as well both yes Yeah. yeah 
again now so I've turned my um I'm still doing that but I've turned my attention now to YouTube where I am trying to sort of push the um whole sort of brand awareness and and importance of fashion for disability mm. through the YouTube platform as well as kind of you know give my give a background of myself so that people kind of have trust in me I suppose and understand where I'm coming from while still um, inspiring and motivating through all of that sort of thing. So I'm thinking of setting up a series of YouTube videos where I'm doing before and afters with with people from that have had some sort of trauma in their life mm-hmm. um, and how and how they feel um, and interviewing and things like that, which I think would be quite interesting. So I would like to be ultimately a um, an influencer, brand influencer when it comes to style and disability. Mm. Well, that, that would be the so perfect important. platform. Yeah, I mean, you, I've, I've watched several of your yeah. YouTube videos and they are fascinating and inspiring in equal measure because obviously you've got your personal story, which we've gone over sort of briefly uh, this afternoon, but then you've got your story about your work and what you're, what you're doing both with your business and also to help, I suppose, to mentally support those yeah. who are in a similar boat to you as well. Yeah. And Because there was not, absolutely nothing like that for me when I came out yeah. of the hospital, you know, or even during. I think it's important... Well, there must be many, particularly women out mm. there who will look up to you and see what you're doing and feel inspired and feel that you can make them look and feel better about yeah. themselves and about their situation. Yeah. Because not everybody's going to have a big s- smile on their face and feel good about themselves in the way that you do. Yeah. Um, a lot of people feel very down and negative about their, their future prospects, I would imagine. Mm. I don't know. Is everybody as, as upbeat as you are? everyone did always used to say oh look here comes Heidi you know when I was in hospital um but I I mean yeah I I I I guess so yeah that's fantastic yeah well I I think YouTube is I mean you've already had many thousands of downloads of your videos already haven't you are you going to rebrand that or are you going to keep platform as it is I think yeah I'm going to start sort of spring cleaning it and and Mm. putting more direction into it now definitely um as to where i'm going and it's quite exciting times because i'm working with various different brands and feel feel free um, to yeah well i did a a dove advert recently which was really cool all about um beauty you know promoting beauty through adversity and things and just inclusion and diversity which was quite an exciting project Uh um and I've been working together with another wonderful interior designer. Her name's Sarah of London, who is like my fairy godmother. She's uh-huh. incredible at what she does and inspiring lady in her in, in herself. Um, and we've done some really good things together at her studios in Maida Vale, where she's sort of just encouraging me um, to be a woman um, and kind of get dressed up in various different lovely outfits and just have fun with it and mm. wants to redesign my wheelchair and things like that. So it's just, yeah, branching out with, with different people mm. and seeing what can become of it. This week in the, in the news, it's mental health awareness. I think it's this week or is it next week? But I think we're in mental health awareness week. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they're talking about is, is body image or you know people feeling good about themselves, body dysmorphia and body image report. And they've said, that a higher body dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction is associated with poorer quality of life, psychological distress, and the risk of unhealthy eating behaviours and eating disorders, all, all to do with not feeling comfortable in your, in your body. So is this something, I mean, is this something that you've become aware of personally or amongst other people who are struggling with body image through 
not having the, the, the physicality that they once had? Or do you think that's more of a mental health issue than a physical one? Because I think the two probably go hand in hand to some, some degree. I think they, they, they do go hand in hand to a certain degree. But I mean, women are always very conscientious of, of what they look like. And also in the media, I think it's just false advertisement. So it's changing that and making... And that's why I like Dove so much, because they are so inclusive of real women. And I think that's what it should be more and more about. It's just, it seems to me such a shame that people today, particularly young, although it spans all age groups, so I'm told, but particularly the younger generation are so hung up on how they look. Mm. You know, for the men, they've got to have the six pack and the, you know... All for Instagram. Yeah, all for Instagram. And it's leading to all sorts of mental health issues Mm -hmm. and eating disorders and, you know, suicide and self-harm. And I just think it's terrible. And, And here's someone like you who's so positive, notwithstanding, you know the body trauma you've been through. Yes. And I just find it amazing that some people haven't got something and they're yeah. trying desperately to have it and are getting upset about it and you've had something and lost it and you're, you're still yeah. you know, still smiling and laughing. Yeah, no, no. well, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, it's a pleasure. I, I'm just interested in why there is that, that difference and why people are so hung up about body image. Mm. People obviously want to feel and look good. Yeah. But everybody's different. Yeah. And this is what's so great about what you're, what you're doing because it's all about diversity. Yeah. I gave up looking, <laughs> try, try, trying to go to the gym a long time ago. And I, I used the excuse when I hurt my back two years ago, I can't go to the yeah. gym, my back hurts too much. I just give up on it. It's just, again, it's just like, I don't know, just trying to have a positive mindset. And again, you can look, you can look good, but you also need a bit of a personality to go with it. You can't, I don't know. I just don't understand why people take themselves so seriously mm. it's not it's, it's it's really not necessary just have fun with it and mm. but yeah you're right I think in this day and age especially with Instagram and it's just the first impressions I mean these people spend god knows hours in front of the mirror to look good and have all these apps and filters but then <laughs> won't leave their house mm. it's pretty worrying it's a yeah. bizarre world yeah so when you're helping people look good do they, how does it work in sort of practical purposes? Do they come to you? Do you go through this colour coordination thing yeah. with them? Or so normally wardrobe? it's here. We'll have a styling session here. And sometimes I Skype people if they live abroad. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, they come to the um, here and we do a style consultation. And then I go personal shopping with them. And then we uh, sometimes do wardrobe edits. So I go through their wardrobe, figure out what's right for their wardrobe, what's not. You have to be quite ruthless. And there's I was going to say, how, tears how, how is that? I, I would hate someone to go through my wardrobe because <laughs> I'd find probably two colours in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. You've got to just be prepared to let go, yeah. I think, and be open to having new. And I think, you know... That's it's, why I won't let my wife go shopping with yeah. me. <laughs> she insisted. I said, no, you're not coming with me. Leave me alone. <laughs> I, I know as the George yeah. <laughs> fits me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun, but you you have to want that change, I suppose. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or just a bit of a, a freshen up. It depends. It could be for any reasons that they they come to me. So you know, and a lot of the time you end up having well developing some really fantastic relationships with these people. You know, it's quite a nice journey that you go on together. That's a very personal thing. Yeah, isn't it? and it could be for anything through a divorce, and they want to look better, or you know, just had cancer or chemo or something like mm. this you know any old so you, are you starting to sort of get recognized as the person who will 
support people who've been through some form of trauma, as you say, whether it's Well, like I mentioned, when I start doing those series, Mm. then I think that that will put me hopefully in good stead that people then can understand it from a bigger kind of perspective of what what it is that I offer and what I'm still passionate about. Because I find, especially after the accident, and even nowadays when I have the help of my PAs and things, and I love them to bits, but I always feel that I'm always saying thank you. And I would really like it if someone... If, if, if people are saying thank you to me because I've done something nice for them. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really miss, especially when I used to run my company, you know? Yeah. So I need to have more of that. I want to do more. Yeah. I want to really kind of give give back now. Well, I think you're certainly starting to do, you're doing that, not starting to do that. You are, you are yeah. doing that clearly. So before we wrap up, um, because I, I know we're a little pushed for time. You've got things planned this afternoon. I said to you before that one of the things we ask our guests, I don't know if you've had a chance to give this any thought just yet. One of the things we <laughs> ask... Sorry, I've been trying too much. No, <laughs> one of the things we ask our guests is to tell the listeners of a place or two, you know, it could be one place that is particular to you that you love about London, a place to go or visit. It can be a park, a restaurant, a walk, a museum, some something that's personal to you. Mm-hmm. You don't want everybody to go there and ruin it for you. Yeah. But, <laughs> But is, is there one, one particular place that comes to mind? Well, oh, God, I love London, generally speaking. Mm. But I think Hampstead's got to be one of my favourite places, one of my old stomping grounds. Uh-huh. I think it's beautiful, especially in springtime. I like to jump in the car and just admire all the spring blossom. And I think, you know, that's one of the most magical parts of London for me. And I also like Columbia Road Market on a Sunday. I just love buying lots of flowers and coming back and enjoying them. And then, yeah, a couple of weeks later, they will pass away again. But yeah. No, just... too, too wonderful. I mean, Hampstead, I, I like you probably, I used to spend a lot of my youth yeah. hanging, hanging around Hampstead and yeah. going to Maxwell's. And... Maxwell's, that's right. It's closed <laughs> Do you remember down? Maxwell's? It shut down. Good burgers there. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, used to hang around there on a Thursday evening. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the various bars, you know, pubs. Yeah. Yeah. Hollybush. Yeah, and, the Hollybush is yeah, wonderful. Spaniards in. That's it. And then uh, obviously Kenwood. Kenwood House. I was Kenwood just House. about to say, yeah, yeah. Kenwood. And going around there is, uh, is beautiful. Is that, how is that for accessibility? for Really for good, yeah. actually, I was going to say. Yeah, really but, nice, yeah. yeah. A bit but gravelly to get in and out. A little thought. bit, but my yeah. chair can just about yeah. do that. Yeah. So it's good. good. So is the cafe there. Lovely, very nice. Go and have a tea, cup yeah. of tea there, and a nice sort of. But stroll. they don't do summer concerts there anymore, I don't think. No, they That's don't. I believe. I think because various local residents yes. moaned and fussed about the noise travelling yeah. to, to them, and they, they weren't happy about that. But watch this space. I think that that's interesting because I think that's I think that will change. It will be really nice if it yeah, did but again. But that, that that was very nice. Yeah. So that's lovely. So you've got um, two really lovely places for uh, for our listeners to go and check out. And just in closing, if people want to find out more about you or mm-hmm. check out your Instagram or your YouTube channel, can you just tell, tell people how they can get in touch or find you? So um, my Instagram is my name. So it's Heidi Herkes or Heidi Herkes. Spell that? <laughs> uh, H, so it's Heidi, H-E-I-D-I uh-huh. and Herkes, H-E-R-K-E-S. And it's the same again for my YouTube channel. So there you can find me. Okay. And your, your email and everything means of contact is on there yep. so i'd recommend everybody to go and check it out and Heidi's story yes. is um there's a very good video on the youtube channel which mm-hmm. you go through your personal story yes and then if you want more detail about makeup and dressing up and looking good and all the lovely things that heidi can do for you not for me necessarily but mm-hmm. for you guys then keep an eye on heidi because obviously you're going to be 
developing that channel more going forward. Yes. So Thanks. more power to you. Thank you. you keep, keep doing Thanks the good stuff. Me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And your story is very inspirational. Thank you. And um, I love the smile. It's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, keep in touch. Thank you. I will do. Definitely. Take care. Thank you. Every week here at Your London Legacy, we bring straight to your device a new and fascinating guest with a wonderful London-based story. We hope you enjoy listening to their timeless stories as much as we enjoy creating them for you. If so, the best way to show your appreciation is to subscribe to the show. Simply go to www.yourlondonlegacy.com and pop your name and email in the box where shown. That way, you'll never miss another episode. Thank you for your support.